Welcome to Back in the Field. My name is Carl. And my name is Arthi. And today we're going to be talking about the Boyle and Nettie wedding. It's possible that you might hear some piano sounds in the background. I can't control my neighbors and wouldn't want to. <laughs> this is the first time in a while we've recorded in your apartment, Carl. Yes. Yeah, we've been recording mostly in mine. Well, I guess technically when we record remotely, you are in your apartment. I, I guess I am. Yeah. I guess I am. I can only assume. <laughs> uh, also, and in meanwhile, in my on my side, I I sound terrible. Uh, it's because I, I'm getting over strep throat, so I sound bad. I'm actually okay. I'm not contagious mm, anymore. I'm outside of that window. <laughs> I would have come over if I was contagious, Carl. Okay. Rest assured. So... But uh, but weddings, weddings, weddings. You know, I do like a good wedding episode. It's pretty ballsy of the show to go straight for a wedding in season two. Yeah, but it's not as ballsy as it could be because the wedding is not any characters who existed before season two, right? Like we met both of these people in the context of them beginning their relationship. <laughs> it is it is probably the most tertiary of tertiary character weddings. Yeah, yeah, yes. <laughs> uh, so, this is the third time each of these characters has appeared. So, oh Jesus, you're right. Is that the same number of times Marcus has appeared? Mm, maybe. Yeah, I think so. He appears in his intro episode. Yeah. He appears in the beach house episode. When he appears now, so that's it. Has he appeared once more? I don't think so. Nah. I can't remember if he has. Nah. It doesn't matter. Okay, so they're getting pretty serious. Yeah. We, do we do we want to actually talk about the plots? Well, we should actually recap the episode, yes. So, in this episode, uh, Lynn Boyle and Darlene Linetti attempt to get married, uh, and their children go all out to make sure that the wedding goes even slightly smoothly. Hmm. Uh, factors opposing this are the lack of someone to ordain them. Wait, no. Yes. The lack of someone to officiate the wedding. Yeah. Uh, the lack of a ring, which Jake is attempting to amend. The presence of a counterfeiter, which is holding uh, Jake up. And Amy. And it most Amy, Jake via Amy. <laughs> um, the... Cold feet on Lynn Boyle's part. Well, the cold feet on Lynn Boyle's part, which Caused is completely by... <laughs> created by Rosa having trouble with feel-feels. Uh, <laughs> in re... Marcus, the Marcus Cannon. <laughs> you know, he doesn't have a last name, you're right. I mean, yeah, his, name, his last name can be Holt in the meantime. <laughs> <clears throat> that is that is the primary plot lines. Yep. You are correct. Jenny Gildenhorn's there, too. That's Jake's... Mm, yeah, that's Jake's Jenny Gildenhorn. There's so, many, there's so many plot lines in this episode. Like, even just you listening to you recap it makes me realize, like, how many different things are going on. I don't think there's anything wrong with going away from the standard, like, we're going to have a couple of solid plots idea, no. because this is really just telling a fractured story about a fractured event. You're right. We, in our pre-show conversation, you were saying, like, it feels, this episode has a lot of plots and it feels busy in the way that an actual wedding has a lot of things going on and feels really busy when you're, like, part of the wedding party and part of the, like, you know, part of the the, the, the bride and groom's, like, immediate circle. And you're trying to make the friggin' wedding happen at all. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, let's start by talking about, I guess... Well, we were talking about Marcus. Let's just keep on that for a while. 
Sure. So Rose's problem is that she could have invited Demarcus to this wedding and didn't, because uh, inviting someone to a wedding is a pretty big deal. Um, yeah. And she doesn't want to make a pretty big deal about her feelings, but apparently she has them. Yeah. For and, reasons. And and as I was watching this, I was I was tweeting that they continue to show to tell and not show us Marcus and Rose's relationship. Yeah. And, I mean, we can't get to Rosa's private life. Yeah. It's far, far away from us. It's it's completely inaccessible. Yeah. And that's by design. Sure. But... But even when they're together, I don't necessarily feel like we see... Well, they've got a kind of quiet chemistry, I think. Like, I was thinking about this episode, and I thought that, like... I do buy it. I will say that. Yeah, I don't know what she sees in him, but there is clearly a kind of energy going on there. It's not one of those situations, like in Jupiter Ascending, (laughs) where we're informed that this is a great romance to change the universe, when in fact it's like, I don't know. A girl and a dog? a girl and a dog who is a stranger dog. (laughs) And the dog's like, you're a human, and the human's like, yes. That's all. And this is not that, right? (laughs) I love that all things are being measured against Jupiter Ascending now. Not was... not all things. I enjoyed that movie. I'm um, glad. It, had, it used bees well. <laughs> what? I don't want to know. I don't have you not seen know. the movie? Not yet. Sean Bean is a bee. Oh. Have you not heard oh, about that? Oh, no. <laughs> also, like, at one point, Mila Kunis has, like, bee arms. I don't, I don't know if I want to know about this. <laughs> you should see the movie. It's fun. Sure. I never stop laughing. Okay. The whole time. <laughs> Not for good reasons. So I was chatting with 40 million years earlier today, and uh, she and I were talking about Marcus, actually, and mm-hmm. something we both realized is, I think this is the writer's biggest weakness, is writing uh, relationships between characters who aren't part of the central cast. Yeah, they can't really... The Some of it is what's the... What's con- weird is how... Um, how fast and how far Marcus and Rosa are progressing compared to how Jake and Sophia progressed. Because they had more chemistry and more screen time. And, like, these guys have quietly established mutual love without having any screen time together or any meaningful lines or any good jokes at all, ever. None. <laughs> Zero. I mean, but Boyle and Vivian were the same way. Yeah, but they had an entire episode to get together. That's right. True. Like they had a good twelve minutes of establishing their relationship, and then another eight minutes of them going on a second date. Like we got a lot of screen time for Boyle and, Boyle and Vivian for someone who showed up for three episodes and then like broke it off. Oh, you're right. We saw the setup. We saw the continuation. We saw the breakup. We saw as much as we saw of Jake and Sophia. Honestly. Mm. Um. This isn't that. Like, Marcus hasn't had any jokes. Period. I wonder if some of that is, like... We haven't seen him in situations with the rest of the crew. Like, the reception would have been the prime time for that. But the reception is the end of the episode. Yes. Right? So There's more important things to do. Yeah. And I, I... But even still, like, thinking about this, I was, like... I was telling 40 Million Years, like... Vivian, you know... Vivian, as much as I love Sophia and Marcus and even Teddy, they were... You love Teddy? 
I'm sorry? You love Teddy? <laughs> no, no, no. Let me finish. The, these all, all these characters are fairly thin, which is reasonable given that they're sort of guest actors and sort of not... I don't know about Marcus, but the others were clearly not long-term prospect additions to the show. Like, so far, the only really, only significant other who's been written well and fully is Kevin, but Kevin is sort of a permanent fixture in Yeah, but Kevin's going life. nowhere. Yeah. You know what I've noticed... Um, they just can't ever get Terry's wife back for events that she should really be at. Yeah. Did you see how many, like, wives and husbands weren't there <laughs> at this wedding? Uh, one thing I noticed was, and of course this this is something I would notice, was Skelly and Hitchcock sitting there next to each other weeping with no wives present. And they're both married, right? Like, why were they invited? And why didn't they get plus ones? Maybe only one of them was invited? I don't know. But That'd also... be hilarious if only Scully was invited. Because <laughs> at least Scully can sing, so he has some sort of talent to provide. Yeah, yeah. That actually might have been what happened. <laughs> and Scully was like, well, I can't attend without Hitchcock. The rest of the squad will be there. Yeah. <laughs> and then they'd find out whether I have a wife or a dog. <laughs> Named Kelly. Yes. He has both, but which one is which is the question. Yes. Yeah, but anyway, the point point being is, I think I think the writing staff's one weakness might actually be, rather, it's it's a product of not knowing if any significant others are intended to be permanent, right? Could you back that up? And um, it's two unconnected half thoughts. Sorry. Yes. So, as I at forty million years and I were saying that we think that this this significant others like people people are dating. People outside of the nine nine that the squad is dating are continue cont- are consistently sort of weaker from a character perspective. Um, the relationships themselves may get more or less screen time depending on various other blah blah blah. But like with, for example, we knew we knew more about Teddy than we know about Marcus. Still, like at yeah. least we knew Teddy liked pilsners. I don't even know if, if fucking well, Marcus Teddy, likes soup. Is his Te- favorite soup tomato? I don't know. Teddy got a recurring gag, and <laughs> we kept learning more details about his actual life because Amy's a sharer. Yeah. And Rosa isn't. But that's, I mean, that just means you got to show him off when he's actually on screen. Yeah. Like, what are they paying him for? Are they paying him? Uh. Well, the other thing is, the reason that this conversation came up was me saying, like, you know, Nick Cannon is actually really funny. Like, he can actually be really, really funny, given half the chance and a little bit of rope. Like, yeah. some some freedom. And the same thing is true of Teddy. Teddy is actually a really accomplished comedic actor. He's never been, like, a main role in a sitcom. But that's mostly because he's great as sort of these, like, one-off, like, guest, made, like, big personality characters. And yet both of these actors are being used in exactly the opposite way of that. They're both very, very narrowly drawn. And so we, were, she and I were talking, and, and I posited that maybe this is the writer's weak point, is that in part because we don't know if any significant others are going to be permanent, plus, you know, like, how good is the chemistry going to be? Yeah. You know, how much are they willing to invest in building this character from the ground up? Which might, in part, inform why Marcus is all told and no show. And not very much told, either. Yeah, that is a result of Rosa. Yeah. That said, I do think we what we need to see is, now that they've said the L word at each other, is her, him attending some like group thing. 
Like, the, I know... He needs to... Yeah. He's not in the next two episodes. <laughs> well, I mean, when are they next going to have a group event party? Well, there's some sort of bar event in the episode with... Coming up. I can't remember if it's in the next episode or later. Because, you know, occasionally we get tweets and stuff of behind-the-scenes pics. And okay. I'm pretty sure there's a bar scene coming. Um, because we haven't seen Shaw's in a while. <laughs> Now that I think about it, and I know we were tweeted a Shaw's pick from, like... Because this episode was written six weeks ago. Or it was, like, filmed and everything, like, six weeks ago. So they're on a six-week lag time from us, presently. Okay. Anyway, point being, I think this is the weak spot. Like, they can do a lot of things really well, but so far this hasn't been one of them. And I see that with a lot of fondness. Because it's hard to bring in a single, like, a one-off OC and not have them, like take over everything we've seen that with some of the guest characters right like none of them like fully take over but like when we were we were feeling that pain in uspis yeah there's a lot of jack donger and i feel like chris parnell's character was a significant portion of that episode screen time yeah in part by design that's on purpose jake was trying to impress him but also because chris parnell and andy samberg have a terrific like rapport I think that the counter to your to this argument is um what's her name? Uh Mrs. Jeffords. Um who has shown up in like one point nothing episodes but was immediately fully formed. But in part that was because she had been Well, I mean she's permanent, but uh, but she's never shown up anywhere, right? Like She's shown up twice, yeah. Yeah. You're right. But but Terry, unlike Rosa, is a share. So we learn a lot through his off-screen interactions with her. But I'm talking about her screen time. Oh, yeah. Like, her screen time was very full and developed a complete personality in a short amount of time. True, and Kevin's first appearance was that way, too. Yeah. Yeah. We knew a lot about Kevin. We were informed about Kevin through Holt. One thing I'd like to talk about is uh, how amusing it was to me who was on which side of the aisle. Yeah. Because, like, Kevin was obviously on uh, Darlene's side because he's friends with Gina. Gina. Yes. Um, but which side was Terry on? Terry. Oh. I don't remember. I think Terry Scully was. Scully and on... Hitchcock were both on Lynn Boyle's side. I'm pretty sure. And all the other cops were. Pretty sure Terry was on Gina's side. Okay. Or, sorry, Darlene's side. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's Gina's side. He did escort Gina down the aisle, so I would yeah. only assume that Terry was on that side, on the bride side. So I want to talk about Gina. I think if Chelsea Peretti is going to submit for Best Supporting Actress Emmy, this episode should be her submit episode. It was good. She, she was so on every single second, from I'm too pretty to watch those movies, to her... Freaking out, like, she, and she calls him a hobbit later, anyway. Oh yeah, no, she's such a liar. She's so great, though. I love that. But that's the thing: if she was going to submit any single episode for this season, I think it should be this one. Now, last season should have been the savant episode, and I really hope she submitted that one. But this year, I think this one's the Emmy episode. She's so on point every single second she's on screen. She delivers the weird Leslie Nope ish like motivational speech to Lynn, which is actively hilarious and touching in equal measure. She her like little panic, okay, okay, like high pitched, like you see her suddenly just like start to When leave. was that? 
something happens. Um, it's not when Jake doesn't have the ring because she just like straight up faints. Then, yeah, yeah, no, she says like she says a really pitch high pitch like ah like. Do you remember? Do you? I can see it in my head. I can't remember when it was though. She's talking to Terry and Holt, and uh, was it when he when she fired Terry? It was after that. Okay. It's before. I think it. I think it's when Jake says the ring stuck. Oh right, right. Yeah. So, anyways, this this she was a hundred percent on, and it makes total sense. She's the maid of honor, mm-hmm. so of course she's you know like harried. But it. I really loved how well she read Boyle at every point, and not just like for shipping, but like <laughs> she always knew when he put something in his stupid mouth or uh, toast. Um, she was right 100% of the time. Oh, Boyle, you're so dumb. But I appreciate him and his dad, like, their relationship. It's cute. They're cute. It's super cute. I also appreciate Boyle trying to steal kisses out of the air. That was so weird. It was so awkward and great, though. Um. (laughs) There was, the line, that's because your psychic is a fraud, you need to switch to my psychic. This this episode did a really good job of showing the uh, pair the the inheritance of personality from Darlene to Gina and from Lynn to Charles without like smacking us over the head with it right like I felt like they didn't drive the point home in the terrible relentless repetitive way that comedy so often do um, but still really made that point like they both have a psychic but they kind of fight about it, like, uh, Darlene appreciates all of Regina's eccentricities and clearly can't really catch, keep up. Um, Charles next to his dad is actually, like, the calm one. Charles next to his dad is relatively put together and, like... But also clearly more of a kid, right? Like, Gina is trying to get up on her mom's level and Boyle is like, no, I'm with my dad, I can just be a kid. It's touching. I don't know. I just really like to see... I liked seeing both of them with their respective parents, but I also just appreciated how happy they were both were when their parents did get married. Like, that That was, like, a really sweet, like... Like, really sweet, like, awe moment. Yeah. Speaking of sweet awe moments, though, Holt and Kevin... Yes, good. ...actually, like, stole that moment away from the actual Brighton group. I called, so, uh, so I... You did. I, I, I called from the promo shots that, I think we put this in an episode, actually, that uh, there would be footage of their wedding, such as it was. Yeah. And that they would be one of the, like, first people married when New York City uh, made it legal. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they just rushed in case it got stopped that same day is so sweet and sad. I mean, he did wish that the efficient were more efficient. No, stop. I love that. I like that they're continuing that running joke, but that joke is not funny. Are you kidding? Every time I think about it, I giggle. Okay, I think that you may have been abducted into the world of Brooklyn Nine-Nine. To the world where Raymond Holt is a laugh factory. Is that the worst thing, though? I guess not. I mean, the police are on your side. So, good luck. Good job. 
I do hope. I was. I I don't think we'll see Holt and Kevin renew their vows this season. I hope. I really want it to be the second season premiere. I don't know if it'll be a big enough thing. They tend to take. They tend to make the Holt and Kevin content be uh, middle season backbone. Because it's really good and it's not dramatic because you know they're going to stay together. That's true. Uh, I don't think... I mean, wishful thinking is wishful thinking. Yeah. <laughs> You're right, though. It'll probably be a mid-season thing. So yeah. probably maybe the winter finale. finale. Maybe. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, they can't just have every emotional beat happen at a wedding. But it'll be a cool... Because... Weddings have been a lot of the plot driving on this cop show, right? It's the main thing that was happening in the end of the second season. Yeah. Um, and to the middle, or the end of the first season, you mean? First season, yeah. And then into the middle of the second season. Yeah. I wonder if we'll be driving to the end of the second season now. Well, what do you think our options are? The, hmm, uh, Marcus and Rosa... Nah. I don't I don't think it was. Well, we would have seen a bunch of Nick Cannon episodes coming up, and they're not important enough. No. We also just don't. Uh, I mean, the next two episodes are Jake's dad and Chris Parnell's character coming back. They might do it just as, like, you know, emotional rising action towards an unrelated finale. Like, Charges and Specs came out of nowhere, right? It felt like it came out of nowhere, yeah. But, but it mostly, like... That actual plot, yeah. Yeah. They're not going to do, like, a multi-part arc towards the end. I I think they're going to do, like, more of the same. One anonymous asker, I think. I think they were anon. They asked if they thought Amy's union rep plotline might come back as part of, like, the end point or, like, the terminus of her assertiveness arc. Maybe. And I actually think that that might actually be the finale. Because... The union rep plotline comes in in season two around the same time that Podolsky appeared in season one. It's relatively, like, benign. We haven't heard anything about it since that. It's actually kind of important. And depending on when the city uh, closes its fiscal year, it could actually be really pertinent. Okay. But, like, I don't know. Um, I don't know what kind of arc they could make out of that like what is Amy gonna get in hot water with the brass or something like yeah well that would actually as, as a union rep for the 9-9 like the, the brass you'd be getting hot water with would be Holt right I think they're gonna need to bring in an external threat Wunch yeah I, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised if Wunch were involved in the finale yeah um, but I don't think that that brings Amy in Probably not, no. Um, we might have that in the next few episodes, though. Like, it very well might recur. Yeah. I, just, I don't think it'll be the last episode. That was a pretty good insight by that anonymous user, though. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah. I don't know if we'll get another big Jake Amy moment, though, at the end of the season. We deserve it. <laughs> what episode was this? What number? 17. Okay. Well, there's... So there's, like, six more episodes, right? Yeah. And um, I'm still holding that the finale is an hour long. Maybe. Um, I think there's time. 
I think that there's I think we're we have upward motion on that plot because Finally. they're well they're building it back up organically and like making them turn towards each other more and more and like it's just it's coming obviously so I think there will be something I don't think it'll be one of the big things like it's not going to be charges and specs and it's not going to be whatever the fuck that other episode was called undercover no the hotel road one. trip yeah road trip um but there'll be something because they're building towards that kind of moment uh we should talk about chicken amy yeah i feel like we have moved to that subject yeah um so they're this is cool because so I yeah go ahead so this this plot line was everything I've been demanding of the show for weeks and I realized this like on the train over here and I did the little like my little like terrible train shimmy the and which you know looks a bit like Johnny Bravo squished into a box but that being said I Realized this was everything I'd been asking for. Amy is ostensibly the primary. It's mm-hmm. her case. She tells Jake what to do and what, and like, and she cajoles him into coming with her. They are the B plot. Yeah, they are. Uh, Although everything's the B plot, right? But Gina and Boyle are clearly the main, the ones pushing Boyle, the Boyle and Eddie wedding forward. So yeah, they are the B plot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and. And, I mean, they're in formal wear, which I didn't specifically request, but I was into. Uh, <laughs> I mean, they they even they even do some callbacks. There's the fake proposal. The fake proposal is something I actually wanted to talk about, because one of our favorite headcanons was that that would happen again and again between them. And what's important here is that it's Amy doing it this time. Yeah! Um, Thank you! Fist bump sound. Um, no, I realized this was all the things that I realized I'd been like bitching about wanting on the podcast. So I don't, I don't believe the writers were listening to me bitch and like agreeing, and so gave me all these things. But I felt really vindicated for being like, ah, these were all things I wanted. And I, unfortunately, now that I have them, I want more. <laughs> I love how important that little fake proposal gag always is, mm. because the first time I was like, ha, I got a stupid ring. And then, oh, we used it to beat the bad guys. And then this time it's like, oh, they're doing a little cute thing. Ha ha. Oh, no. <laughs> the stuck. rig is stuck. <laughs> it was so great. I, I actually had thought it was improvised because her delivery while she was proposing looked felt a lot like her, her being like, are you saying I knocked you up? A little bit. I think that there was more of that in the in her response to him saying that the ring is tight. Oh, yeah. Oh, like, yeah, but, dog. But it wasn't uh, improvised. I actually asked her about it last night, and she was like, no, I'm pretty sure it was scripted. P.S. She live tweets blind. Like, she's not watching the East... Like, she's not watching... She doesn't have, like, a screener of the episode that she's watching while East Coast is watching. So she hasn't seen a screener by the time... She hasn't seen the aired version. Oh, cool. So she effectively is just retweeting. She's tweeting off of her memory of the episode. Cool. That's pretty Wait, cool. Wait, she's not watching along? She's watching along with the West Coast airing, usually. Oh. Unless she's here with her family, like in New Jersey or mm-hmm. or in New York, um, 
with her husband. She's in L.A. tweeting The along. she in this entire exchange is Melissa Fumero, by the way, actor who plays Amy Santiago. Yes, and who is often a- active on Twitter on, on episode nights. And um, she... She was like, oh, I'm not, she, she basically, she was like, I haven't seen it yet. Uh, I was like, oh, was this improv? She was like, I don't think so. It was scripted. Haven't seen it. Haven't seen the one that went to air yet, though. And I was like, so you're left tweeting blind. <laughs> you're just basically left tweeting, like, what your memory and what everyone else is talking about. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Um, but anyway, no, I, I, I'm glad that they're bringing, making the proposal scene, like, a recurring gag between them. Yeah, it's, it's. Doing it twice means there'll definitely be at least a third time. This plotline so. also feels a bit like the stakeout sections of the bet. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's on purpose. Which was also them hiding in the background of a Boyle-centric event. Because it was Boyle's you-got-shot party that they were fucking off from, remember? Yeah. I, I, now that I think about it, this is structured in the exact same way as the bet. Boyle, Gina, and Rosa are in one plot. Jake and Amy are another plot. Sergeant Holt are in the third plot. Yeah. And the first five are all in one place together, and the middle two are in a different place together. I'm okay with that. I was thinking about how um, we're using structures and, and, and pairings and stuff like that is always interesting mm-hmm. because I think Patton Oswalt has a essay and we, I know we don't love him, but he's occasionally insightful and especially about comedy. And one of the things he says is there's, oh, I think only three types of jokes. It's all in the delivery and the like, uh, narration of that joke, right? Like placing that joke in a specific time and place, but it's, there's only three types of jokes, which I thought was, Interesting, because you could argue there's only, like, what, five types of television plots? You can argue a lot of things that I don't believe. <laughs> How many plots? I've never believed in that kind of uh, reductivist, there's X plots thing. Oh, yeah. No more than I believe the people who told me that everything's a Bildungsroman. Um, like, but this is... Uh, this is <laughs> my nose is threatening to go into the air, and I don't want it to go there, because then I won't be talking directly into the mic. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, they were really cute this episode, though, Jake yes. and Amy. I want to talk about their unending levels of cuteness. I I love that he was. she goes maxi pads, and he's like, well, I wanted to give you a bongo lane, but I didn't want to be too sexual. And he, and that it, is cute. And it was obvious that it was going in that direction. Like, he's... It's like they're both kind of trying to be at a comfortable, non-romantic level. And they both keep being like, whoa, oh, I caught myself. <laughs> um, like... Because, like, that maxi pad thing is directly after uh, him talking about her, like, sexy voice. Which was his sexy voice? No, it was after. After. Yeah, yeah. She uses her sexy voice after that. Right. So then, like, she she does that, and he was like, this is, a, this is a little more. And she's like, oh, whoops. And, like, <laughs> yeah. Even it, though it's not a particularly, like, sexualized voice as far as I can tell. She's just, like, kind of pitching her voice a bit lower. Like, yeah. a bit more comely, if you will. Like, come hither. No, yeah, I, I just. My English is not great all the time. No, no, it occurs to me that I've, have no, verification on what that word means, sounds like, in my own head. I assume anyway. We, you and I have had this conversation. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a word I only know from reading. 
fuck it, I don't care anymore. But, like, I don't even care about English. Fuck you, English. But, like... <laughs> but, uh... Uh... Earlier in that episode... Boyle's like, yeah, yeah. he makes like the warning, <laughs> and she's like, is he having a stroke? They're so open about yes. their their shared past. Right? Yes, and that kind of was one thing that caught me off guard. Rose is right fucking there. Yeah, I'm not surprised that Boyle knows. Jake tells Boyle everything. This is one of those cases where like their friendship is actually a two way street, and I think sometimes it's easy to forget that. Yeah, but of course Jake would tell Boyle everything. Yeah, Boyle's the half the reason Jake was about to ask Amy out last year in the first place. Yeah, I mean, Rosa knew all about the the first part, um, but I mean, it's not clear how she learned the second part. But I think that the what. I think that what this shows is them having at some point thought, well, I mean, keeping this a secret makes it really weird. Um, like, they're, they're, they've got their cards on the table, right? They've both admitted a past attraction to the other, and, like, that's known information, and treating it like a secret is dishonest and kind of childish. Um, really? Because I actually... I'm surprised about it from Amy's perspective. Like, Amy doesn't have Rose's, like, total work-life separation, but she tends to be close-lipped about her personal life, especially at work. Possibly. Things that are personal to her. Yeah, but I think that, um... I mean... I think that in this case, what the thing that happened was that she admitted that she had liked Jake, and keeping that a secret makes it present tense mm-hmm. in a way that she probably wasn't comfortable with. And she had to, like... I assume that the events of the breakup were messy enough that a lot of people heard about them, right? Like, they talked about it with the criminal there, for example. <laughs> That's right, he just, like, falls asleep in the back of their car. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Okay, I can see that. Um, the... Gifts have them having, like, significant looks at each other. Yeah, and they did. They did, yeah. No, No, what I mean is, like... I, I see no reason for Jake's feelings to not come back. Like, of course his feelings for her are going to come back. Like, Amy's incredible. You... It, on the podcast once you said she's you described her as this like wonderful beautiful intelligent woman anyone would be and then and, and so i'm saying like anyone of course you know i'm i'm do, slightly amused because i'm like well i mean that's not a description that's specific enough to really well it was it be was, worth having held on to it, well i'm bringing it up because what i'm saying is like of jake has a type Amy falls nicely into the type, and that type is ambitious and intelligent women. Yeah. The my my continued qualm is I don't like I as an as a viewer like as an outsider can posit why Amy likes Jake. Jake is smart, and he's he brings out a levity in her that no one else really seems to tap into. But I want Amy to demonstrate those things. But we see her being glad that he supported her and try and appreciating the kind of ridiculous 
like he gets very knotted up about Jenny and she is clearly like kind of enjoying that <laughs> because it's nice that he feels things so intensely for mm-hmm. her. Um but like they're back to bantering and enjoying it and you know like I don't know. I, there's a there's a lot that Jake does right in this episode that makes it clear why Amy started to get back in the groove. Yeah. I, I hope we see her back in the groove faster. Well, she totally fucking trolled him in a way that she would only do to a potential romantic partner. Yes! I fucking love that. I like that so much. I Also, then they, like, I slow danced with each other over the top of that old lady. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I I love that they faked us out. They faked us out because I was like, oh, they'll... Because I tweeted halfway through the episode. I was like, oh, they're going to slow dance. Like, at the reception. And I was wrong. But I was never gladder to be wrong. Like, it was done so nicely. Um, yeah, I don't know. I will say my favorite gag, though, is still... is, is um, They brought back Jenny Gildenhorn. They yeah, brought they back did. all those kids. <laughs> all three of those kids. They brought them back. Like, there's no way they filmed extra crap last year. No way. What? No. Oh, yeah, no. <laughs> they brought back all those kids. I loved, I loved when the song came back on. He's like, how is this possible? Because I was thinking that, too. I was like, is this just them playing the backup music? And it's like, no. No, they're actually playing the same fucking song. I bet Boyle, I bet Boyle brought it on CD because he liked it back then. Yes. I mean, fucking Air Supply. Very middle school dance. <laughs> I don't know what an air supply is. The band, I'm all out of love. Yeah, I know the so song. I just, I'm just you. indicating that I don't. The artist is air supply. Okay. <laughs> and I like that the old lady's handsy. <laughs> she's. <laughs> it does complicate the kind of she's a stand-in for Amy in this scene. <laughs> No, I I really liked this episode, and it held up really well on rewatch. Well, I think that's um, that's very true, and I think that we've covered it in a pretty good amount of detail. Yeah. So, um, if you don't have any other, like, clothing points? Just that I can't wait to see the commitment ceremony that Holt and Kevin have. Yeah. I think it'll be really beautiful and tasteful. Give it now. Do a webisode. Like, this second. (laughs) Honestly, I wish we saw more, like, outtakes and alternative alternate takes of this. Because you know that they scripted multiple versions of the proposal as well as did an improvised version. And I would love to see all of those. Well, buy some DVDs. Well, they didn't include them on the first season DVDs. They didn't? Well, they didn't include the extended strip dance, so why would they include anything else? Did they include anything else? There were some deleted scenes, but they were relatively polished. I don't think they included very many extended scenes. Huh. I wish the I wish that they I wish the Universal TV and Fox the network would allow for those things to be released. I remember when I was in the Office fandom way back in like 2008, NBC would put out all this extra crap on their online, on their like Office online area, and it was so rewarding. Like it was just really cool. Like we got we got all these like extra character moments that like, as a as a passionate viewer, like it's fun. You know, I like getting to know these characters. I choose to spend half an hour of my well for me it's like three hours of my week with them <laughs> every week uh, I, I'm happy to learn more about like their the moments that don't make it to air that's all I got wish list items 
I'm next week is uh, next week is Jake's dad. A plot line I wish we hadn't gotten until we'd met Jake's mom, Emma yeah. Thompson. By the way, no, it's not. <laughs> I know there's it's... no way Bradley Whitford could land Emma Thompson. What are you talking about? Look, Aaron Sorkin might think so, but he is wrong. And with that. My name is Arthi. My name is Carl. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye, everyone. Bye.